All right, well, we are in the middle of a series on the kingdom of God. And so this week, I was uh, preparing for the sermon, and I thought, what exactly is a kingdom? Uh, It's not a concept I'm really familiar with. Um, And so I did some thinking, and I also did some reading. And uh, there's a, a guy by the name of Scott McKnight, and he wrote a book called Kingdom Conspiracy. And in it, he outlines kind of five different elements that he sees as being uh, essential to any kingdom. And so those elements here, first of all, there has to be a land. Okay, there has to be a physical place where this kingdom is. Secondly, there needs to be a law. There's certain rules in any kingdom. There needs to be a ruler. And of course, this is a kingdom, so that ruler is going to be a king. There needs to be a people. No sense having a king if he's got no one to rule over. Um, And then finally, he talks about there being a rule or a reign. And this one's a little bit harder for me to understand at first, but essentially this is the actual action of the king doing that ruling. He's actually ruling over the people. And so in the case of the kingdom of God, it's the action of God ruling and having authority over everything. Okay, and so these are kind of the five essential elements. Uh, So as I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, that's good, um, but maybe it'd be easier to understand if I brought it a little bit closer to home. And so I thought, what about our country? What about Canada? What makes Canada, Canada? And so I started to think, and I thought, well, you don't... uh, I've traveled a bit, and I ask people what they think about Canada, and one of the first things they'll often think of is maple syrup. Okay, and so we've got lots of maple trees. Um, We also have cold winters. We have the Rocky Mountains. We have the largest coastline in the world. We have moose. We have polar bears and igloos. Okay? And all of these things kind of comprise what I would call the land. These are all part of the land of Canada. Um, But Canada's more than that. Uh, we also think of Canada as a place of freedom. Uh, it's a place with certain rules. Um, don't kill each other. Don't steal other people's things. Um, make sure you drive below a certain speed limit. Uh, and so these things all kind of are part of the law of Canada. We also have a ruler. Okay, so in our case, it's a queen, but also a prime minister and a parliament. Um, and along with that is the rule or the reign, which is the particular way that the queen and the prime minister and all those people actually exercise that rule over us. And then finally, Canada is also a people. And we're a unique people, I would say. Uh, We're known for our our diversity. And so you can see that if you look around the room here. There's people from many different races and, and countries and cultures, and they all come together, and we call it the people of Canada, and that's wonderful. Um, Canadians also tend to act in a certain way. Uh, Usually they're very polite. They might say sorry all the time. Uh, They also talk a certain way. We tend to say a at the end of our sentences. Uh, And so there's this sense in which Canada is a group of people, okay? Okay. Now, if I were to show you this picture, 
what what would you say is going on here? Okay, hockey game. Which hockey game? What's Okay, Team Canada. This is the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. Overtime of the gold medal game. Sidney Crosby has just scored the game-winning goal. Okay? Um, but I wouldn't just say that Sidney Crosby has scored that goal. I would actually say, you know what? This is where Canada won the gold medal because Canada scored a goal. And we can only say that because Canada is a people. If Canada was just a land, it would seem a little ridiculous uh, to say, you know what, the Rocky Mountains are going to strap on some skates and they're going to go play against Mount Rushmore for hockey glory. Okay? Um, and in the same way, it's not the law of Canada that scored the goal here. Um, you know what, it wasn't even our ruler. Okay? I looked it up and wouldn't you know, but Queen Elizabeth didn't get even a single minute of ice time in the Vancouver Olympics. Okay? But there were Canadian people, people of Canada, that did put on skates, and one of those was Sidney Crosby, and he scored that goal, and so we say Canada won the gold medal. Now, of course, Canada isn't just a people. It needs all five of these elements. So, for example, if you took all of us and all of the people in Canada, and say you transplanted us, you took us and you put us in Australia and you set up a dictator over us uh, who very tightly restricted our freedom, well, it wouldn't really be Canada anymore, would it? Same people, but not really Canada anymore. And in the same way, the, the land which we would have left behind, this land complete with the Rocky Mountains, complete with blizzards and everything else that happens in this land, well, with the people gone, it wouldn't be Canada anymore either. And so we need all five of these elements to make up our country. Now, of course, this analogy isn't perfect when it comes to applying it to a kingdom and to the kingdom of God. Um, for one thing, our ruler is a queen but, and a prime minister, but different countries have different rulers. Some have dictators, some have presidents, some have prime ministers, right? Uh, and it... In a sense, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but in a kingdom, you have to have a king. And the king takes a very central place. And this is especially true in the kingdom of God. Um, and I think we can see that if we look at this list. And I were to say, hmm, in Canada and defining what we are, what is most important? And if I had to choose one of those five, I would probably choose the people. I think that's pretty important. And then maybe right below that, I'd choose the land. And maybe below that, the law. But the ruler would be pretty low on that list. You know, we're going to have an election in the fall. And it may be that we have the same ruler after that. It may be that we have a different ruler after that. But either way, we will still be Canada. But it's different in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God... The ruler is central. He's the very thing that defines what that kingdom is. We have the king who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, who is this Trinitarian king at the center of the kingdom. And yet, we also have to have these other four elements. We have to have all five to make the kingdom. And so as we've gone through this series, we've focused on 
some of these different elements. And, and in particular, I think we focused a lot on the, on the king, and I think for good reason. Uh, but today, I want to focus on the people. Who are the people of the kingdom of God? And so in order to do that, uh, we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And from this chapter, I'm going to demonstrate for you that the church is the people of the kingdom of God. Um, and so we'll read Second Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Peter writes, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, Peter is saying that God has taken us and has created us into his church, which is a new people and a holy nation. And so we as the church are the, are the people of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul says something similar. Colossians 3, verse 12. Writing to the church, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, we also see this in Ephesians chapter 2. Once again, Paul writing to the church, and in, in this case particularly, he's writing to both Jews and to Gentiles. And... Um, and he's, he's telling them how under King Jesus, they are made one nation, one people under God. And so, beginning in verse 18, it says, Through him, that is through Jesus, we both have access by the Father, by one Spirit. And consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so we can see here, Paul is using kingdom language. He's calling us citizens. We're citizens of a kingdom. And he calls us the people of God. And, and we see that especially right there, uh, that exact language in verse 19. And so the church is the people of God. Um, but the next question I want to ask is, is why is the church able to exist? Or, or how can the church be the people of God? Why is that possible? And I think Paul answers that question throughout this chapter of Ephesians 2. And so we'll look back, starting actually a little bit farther back, right at verse 13. Paul writes, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. In other words, it's because of Christ that you're able to be joined together into this people of God. Verse 14 he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, 
who made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus removes the hostility between us and allows us to become one people. Verses 15 and 16. His purpose, this is Jesus again, was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Once again, because of Jesus and because of his work on the cross, we can be the people of God. Verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And there we see the whole trinity working to make us the people of God. Through him, that's Jesus, we have access to the Father uh, by the spirit. Verse 20, Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation on which the church is built. Verse 21, in him, once again Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We're joined together through Jesus. And then finally in verse 22, Paul writes, and in him, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so Paul's saying here that we're able to be the people of God because God lives in us by his spirit. And so if I were to put a definition on the church, uh, if I were to try and define it in one sentence, I would define it this way. I would say the church is the people who acknowledge God as king because God lives in them by his spirit. The church is the people who acknowledge God as king because God lives in them by his spirit. And so hopefully we've been able to see so far um, that one of the central elements of a kingdom and of the kingdom of God is its people. And those people are the church. And the church is only able to take that role as the people of the kingdom because of the work of Jesus and because of the work of the spirit within it. And so if this is true, if the church is the people of God, if it is the people serving the king, well, then that's going to have a very real impact on the way we live our lives and our life together. If we are following the king, then we need to do what he says. And as we're going to see, the king has actually given us, as his people, a mission. We can see this if we look back at 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter continues. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, in other words, because you are the people of the kingdom of God, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And you should live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Being the people of the kingdom leads to action in Peter's mind. We see this in Paul in Colossians 
where he writes, as we've seen before, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, because you are the chosen people of God, this is what you need to do. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because we're the people, it leads to action. And then we'll turn for a second to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. And here we have uh, a resurrected Jesus who's come back to life after being in the grave for three days. And he's with his disciples, um, and they're together. And the disciples ask Jesus a question. They say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is the kingdom of God coming? And this is Jesus' reply. He says, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, what's Jesus talking about there? He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And as we saw just a minute ago, that's what makes us the church. It's the fact that the Spirit is on us and is in us. And so he's saying, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's going to make you the church. And then you're going to be my witnesses, not just here in Jerusalem, but to the very ends of the earth. And this is his answer to the question, is the kingdom of God coming? He's saying, yes, it's coming, and it's going to come through you. It's going to come through my people and through the church. All right, so we've got this mission, and, and I could probably talk for a long time about what that mission is and what it means, but I just want to make two quick points on that this morning, uh, two quick reminders, if you will. First of all, we need to remember that this mission is God's. We talked at the beginning about how the king, God, is central to the kingdom of God. And so God, as the king, defines the very character of what the kingdom is. And so we need to know our king. We need to spend time with him. We need to get to know him. Um, That's pretty important. Uh, But we also need to remember that we're the people of God because he lives in us. And so when we look at this mission, we never need to think that we're going at it alone. We're only able to do it because of God's power working in us. And so we believe that God's kingdom is advancing. But we believe that it's God that is advancing it. And uh, like this image here on our banner of the sunrise, we believe that, that this kingdom is breaking into the world. But then we also see that, that the instrument that God chooses to use to do that is his people. It's the church. Uh, and we're blessed by that. And so the mission is ultimately God's. And the mission is also communal. And so if we think back to what we read in Ephesians 2, um, we read about how through Christ we are united into one body. Or, or back in First Peter, we saw that that we're made a holy people. Not just holy individual persons, a holy group of people. And so we see here and we see again and again throughout the New Testament that God does not just work through individuals, 
but he works through groups of people who have a common king and who have a common mission. I really hope we're able to see that in our own church here. Um, That we're able to see the ways in which when we work together, we're able to do things that we couldn't alone. Whether that's as a whole church body, whether that's in our life groups, um, whether that's in some other way. And one way that I think is really easy to see that um, is through our support of missions. And so, for example, last week we had Kevin Vance come to us from Regina and talk about the work that he's doing there in, uh, in reaching people in, in Regina and teens in particular. And, you know, I bet if you were to ask Kevin, Kevin, could you do this work alone? I bet he would say no. Um, he would look to churches like ours who support him financially, who support him through prayer. And he would say he also needs people like, like Dakota and other workers that have gone to work with him there um, so that it's not something that he's doing alone. And so a work like that, which has impacted so many teens and has advanced the kingdom of God, is only possible because we work together, because this mission is communal. And so my question for us this morning uh, is a question that we've really been asking through this whole series. Uh, What are you going to do to advance the kingdom of God? But I want to reframe it a little bit this morning. Because when I ask that and I say, what are you going to do? I don't just mean you individually. I mean you, the plural you, all of you, or perhaps we. What are we going to do to advance the kingdom of God? What are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do as life groups? How are we going to do this? And so we have up here on our walls these leaves, which are reminders for us. We've written down over here things that we're going to do to advance the kingdom. And then we've written down over here the things that we've done. These are ways that we have, we have helped that sun come up, that kingdom to break into the world. And I want us, like we're going to have an opportunity in a few minutes um, during the last song and, and then after the service where you can come up and you can grab a leaf and if there's something that you've done, you can write it on the back of the leaf and you can stick it there on the wall. Um, but my encouragement this morning is not just to think about things that you individually have done, But what have you done with your life group? How have you impacted someone? How have you advanced the kingdom? Or what have you done with the rest of the church to advance that kingdom? And write that thing on the leaf and stick it up there on the wall. Or perhaps you can't think of anything. There's nothing that comes to mind right away, and that's okay. Because what I want us to do is I want us to look forward and to think, what can you do? In a week or two weeks or a month from now, what's that thing that you're going to be able to write on there because you planned for it and you thought about it? Um, And and of course, there's lots of different things that we could do, um, but I'm going to highlight three in particular uh, in the next few minutes that I thought were just good examples of this, ways that we can work together as a community to advance the kingdom. And so the first one I'm going to mention is Serve Day. And so on June 13th, it's a Saturday morning, 
a group of us are going to get together and we're going to go to different uh, individuals and, and families in Marlboro here who are either because they're elderly or because they're disabled in some way, they're unable to do different yard work. They can't mow their lawn, they can't prune their trees, they can't clean the gutters on the roof. And so they need someone to help them with that. And so we're going to go and we're going to help them. And we'll spend three hours on a Saturday morning doing that. And uh, this is something that I was participated in last year. And I'll tell you, at times it was a lot of work. And if it was just me by myself, wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have got done. Um, but because we had a group, because we worked together as a community, we were able to do this. And so there's a sign-up sheet in the Connection Center out there, and if you'd like to be involved, that's one way you can do that. Second opportunity that came to mind was our VBS program, our Vacation Bible School, which uh, is going to be happening in July. And I thought, what a great opportunity. This is a time where we, for three days, invite people from the community in, we sing songs with them, we play games with them, and we teach them about our king. And I know there are people in this church that would not be here if it wasn't for that program. And once again, this is something that we do as a church. This isn't something that just one person does. Um, I'll tell you, I'm in charge of leading it this year, but there's no way I would be able to do even a small part of that on my own. I rely so much on other people that are helping me. And so if that's something that you'd like to be involved in, uh, I encourage you, you can come talk to me and, and we can connect you in that way. We've already got lots of great people helping, but we can always use more and, and you can be a part of that. And then finally, I thought I'd highlight our Friends Speak program, uh, which is something that we just started a little over a month ago. And during the week, we have 18 different people from our church that meet up with 18 different people from our community. Uh, people that English is their second language and they need uh, a time to practice uh, just having conversational English. And so we work through uh, with them. We go through the book of Luke and, and practice our English, or their English. They practice their English with us, and we get to tell them about our king. And what a great opportunity um, that is as well. And so that's just one other place that you could get involved in doing kingdom work uh, together with other people in the church here. And so those are just three specific ways that I thought of, but I know there's many others, um, perhaps things that we're already doing, perhaps ideas that you have that we could do. Maybe you see someone in need in your community and you get together with your life group and you go and you serve them. Um, there, there, there could be any of a number of different ways, but that's just my encouragement for you going forward. I hope that we'll be able to write some of those things on these leaves in the next couple of weeks and put them up there. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our King. Um, and God, we thank you that you're doing something good in this world, um, that your kingdom is advancing. And God, we thank you that you choose to use us. And God, we pray that you'd help us to see what a privilege that is. Um, that you would choose um, 
to send us on this mission, uh, to work for your kingdom. And God, we just pray that you'd help us to do that, to see what the ways are that we can work together, that we can work by the power of your spirit and help advance that kingdom. And so just be working in the hearts of the people here, be convicting them, um, showing them exactly what that looks like and how they can do that and live that out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.